When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Man, we really spoil you guys. It's another Carolina podcast. Second one this week. And I guess it's only fitting because it is the start of football season. It's Friday morning now. Wes and Chris and I wanted to get together and discuss everything that happened yesterday at Media Days, which for those of you that haven't seen the clips, incredibly eventful. The most eventful South Carolina Media Day ever, I think it's fair to say. So I wanted to get you guys together, get some of your takeaways, and you also got to watch the first, what, 15, 20, 30 minutes of practice this morning and kind of see what you could glean from Players wearing not even shells, right? Just helmets and shorts. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, riveting stuff out there this <laughs> sure. morning. Yeah. Um, but, but let's start with media day. Okay. We'll we'll start with yesterday afternoon. Will Muschamp giving us press I'm conference. Fired up yeah, yeah, West can't contain us. You got to direct tell. me in a in a specific direction. That's here. what I'm here for. That's why I'm your host. I got to keep you guys in line. We're gonna start with media day yesterday. Will Muschamp press conference at three o'clock. Went forty three minutes. That's it's like. One of the longest. Yeah. I don't know off the top of my head what the longest is, but certainly one of the longest. That'd be weird if you did know that. I think. Yeah. Well, but. the only, I, I do remember one. I think it was in the middle of last season. It was one of his. It was one of his Tuesday like noon press conferences, and it was all like forty five minutes ish. So I don't want to say it was the longest, but one of the longest, and a lot of questions being asked, and in fact ended with Will Muschamp saying, "I'm kind of tired of answering questions, so I'm going to go now," and then left, and it was terrific. Um, I have a note about that though. There's been some talks about that. I believe uh, the venerable Steve Fink before that he, he was heard already... saying, last question. Yeah. He right. said two more questions and yeah. then last question. I was just clearing yeah. that up for everybody because there was yeah. some, you know. People, but it was funny. Oh, some people got angry about it. Did he really? Said that he was Who got angry about that? No, Guys, no, no, no journalist people. I just saw some things online like, why is uh, Mush yeah. Champ saying that? Oh, yeah. Guys, we got to stop getting angry about everything yeah. that happened. Yeah, no, that's the rule. We have to have anger um, about but it. But he, also, he was in good spirits yesterday. He made fun of Mike Uva's socks. He uh, <laughs> he called the, the question asked about Clemson at Media Days a dumbass question, no. which was my personal highlight of the press conference yesterday. What, what did you guys take away from – 43 minutes of Will Muschamp yesterday. Also, I wanted to add, he he went and then answered more questions. At, right. He was at the other media the day part, too, doing one-on-ones right. directly after the press conference. So it's not like he was like, oh, I'm done with y'all, and then <laughs> disappeared. Um, yeah, I just wanted to give yeah. himself some time to get over to the indoor facility. We were doing the press conference at Williams Price. Had to walk down the lawn to get to the indoor facility yes. to continue. It was a joke, people. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. Um, he was, like I said, he was ex- he was excited yesterday, and part of it's, I think, because it's the start of football season, but you, I think you can also tell he's excited about the group that he's got coming back this year, a good mix of, of veterans that have been around, part of his first recruiting class, and a lot of young, exciting talent. Yeah, my, my takeaways were, um, first of all, you know, r- relatively healthy. You're always sort of wondering, all right, is there a guy we haven't heard about that the coach is going to say, oh, this guy's out for – you know, the entire preseason, or this guy's out for, um, you know, we don't know if this guy's going to be there at the beginning of the year. 
Um, you know, a couple of guys that have had off-season procedures that I guess we didn't know about before, um, you know, J.J. and Igbari, and, um, you know, you look at Kier Thomas, who had an ankle deal, but uh, sounds like both those guys could be fully cleared by, like, next week, you know, within the first week of practice, I should say. Um, so, you know, I, I think they're relatively healthy. We already knew about Jalen Dickerson being out for the year, who he mentioned. Um, you know, DeQuest Searles, that was a note, you know, I, I guess worth mentioning that he's not um, sort of cleared yet academically. Uh, but I, I thought, uh, you know, him talking about the ingredients for a championship team and, you know, I think these aren't things that guarantee that it's going to be a winning season this year. But when he's talking about leadership, he's talking about um, quality, competitive depth, those are things that if you're going to be good, you probably need to have those two things. It's very hard to have a winning team without those two things. And I, I think that's something, you know, like you talked about, the senior class that he's um, – you can tell they're, they're special to him for sort of choosing South Carolina when they, you know, could have easily not after a three-win season when he took over. So, um, you know, th- those are some of the things that sort of caught my attention. Otherwise, you know, I'm sure there's, there's probably little bits of information. I feel like a press conference like that, especially a preseason one, there's going to be a lot of coach speak, a lot of just um, generalities, and then you have to almost just try to glean, you know, read between the lines almost as far as any other information you can get. Yeah, you, I think you glean as much from, I guess, how Will Muschamp says the things that he says yeah. from what yeah. he actually says. You know, you got to play armchair psychologist to a certain extent. Uh, Chris, what would you take away from Coach Muschamp yesterday? Yeah, I think uh, – some of the comments that he made just regarding the concerns that he has about the team, um, I don't think they were surprising. I, th- I think he just reiterated some of them. Um, he talked about the offensive line as far as relating it to a concern about the team a little bit more than I anticipated. I mean, obviously we all knew going into preseason that you know South Carolina is going to be breaking in a new center, whoever that may be, Hank Manos, Chandler Farrell, or their most likely candidates. Hank Manos started the bowl game. He played a little bit last year, preserved his red shirt. Uh, but Donnell Stanley's moving over. He mentioned Sedarius Husherson moving over to left tackle. And he didn't say it's a concern, but he mentioned it when questioned about concerns just because he said, look, he can do it. He's one of the strongest guys on the team. He's got the athleticism to do it. But he's also, you know, playing the position for the first time on a full-time basis. And then you're also breaking in a new right guard, whether it's Javon Gwynn, uh, Eric Douglas, MJ Webb, converted defensive lineman was the other one he mentioned. So, he spent some time on that, which I figured he would hit on that, but maybe a little bit more than I thought. Um, they, they do have to figure some of those things out. They have to figure out who their best five is, and then they have to go look for six, seven, and eight, who those guys would be. Um, and he talked about safety some. You know, that's the position, safety and linebacker. I know they was not happy about how either of those positions played last season. Linebacker, they were inconsistent. They lost Eldridge Thompson, obviously, last year. They were banged up very badly at safety and they've lost Dickerson for this season but feels like they have some guys there it's just a sort of a question mark going into this year I was a little bit surprised like you were that he talked as much about the offensive line as he did and he was asked specifically about concerns he didn't say that was the area where he was most concerned but I also think if you're a Gamecock fan and he is highlighting that as a particular concern it weirdly that's kind of encouraging because it's a group that's returning three starters. I, I think the, the number that I think I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that the three starters returning on the offensive line have a combined 56 starts plus healthy competitive battles for the starter position at center and at right guard. It doesn't seem like it's a like a race to the bottom for either of those. It seems like Hank Manos and Chandler Fairley are both playing well and like re, and like actually really vying for that spot. 
Um, you know, just like it seems like that's the case for the right guard spot. So I, I think that's encouraging. And all we know about Eric Wolford is that he recruits good offensive linemen, he develops good offensive linemen, and he coaches them up well. And if that's a principal concern for you, I feel like that's a that, that's a good sign. Yeah, I mean, it, they, they've they recruited well. That's something that Muschamp mentioned over and over just in terms of um, the changing body types. They're, they're bigger, they're more athletic. I think that's obvious just the eye test. I mean, if you if you watch this team practice in say the spring of 2016, and then you went and looked at them now, they look like an SEC offensive line or or a Power Five, you know, offensive line. Um, so they've gotten when, when you've recruited guys like that, you you look better. But it's still a concern when you're breaking it. You know, Hank Manos has has played a, a little bit. You know, he started the bowl game. He's played a little bit. Javon Gwynn played in the first game and then went down with a season-ending foot injury. Um, even Eric Douglas, he's been around a while, but he hasn't played a ton. Uh, you know, Chandler Farrell hasn't played a ton. He's played some. Um, and then you got some of the other position moves. So they think Don- Donnell Stanley's best suited at guard. They think Hutcherson can certainly play left tackle. He's got NFL potential, whether he is a guard or tackle. Um, but it's still a question mark. It, it, I had sort of the same thought when when Carolina was headed into the season last year. When you feel good enough to move one of your best, most experienced offensive linemen to a new position this year, you know, in the case of Donnell Stanley, if Carolina really thought that center was going to be an issue, that Manus or, or Chandler Farrell couldn't handle it, they probably would have tried to slot one of those guys in at guard. But they feel comfortable enough with what they think those guys can do that they're able to move Stanley back to – that left guard position where he feels a little bit more comfortable. So again, like for, for me, that was I was curious, or I was interested rather to to hear him single that out. One other anecdote that did catch my attention yesterday, when we were talking about leadership, where that leadership is coming from is always interesting. Certainly, you have your seniors, you have the guys that were part of Will Muschamp's first class, but two guys that he singled out and J.C. Horn and Israel Mukwamu that I think have a lot of excitement headed into the season. You know, these are the sort of prototypical corners that Will Muschamp likes to have. And when he has had, I think y'all mentioned this on the podcast earlier this week, that's usually a sign that the rest of the defense is going to end up being pretty good. He told a story about those guys being out of their rooms past curfew. And when the coaches went to find them, it was because they had, you know, basically snuck back into the long facility to to go watch some film. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff when when you have that, you know, from sophomores who are – who, I mean, they're the leaders <clears throat> in the defensive backfield there. And I think what he said was that kind of mentality can be contagious for the team. I think that's a great sign. That uh, that anecdote will probably be shared for, like, every game on the telecast this yeah. year, I feel yeah. like. But, but, no, in all seriousness, those guys are, like, everything you look for, I think, in a student athlete, um, both from, like, the whole talent, you know, blue chip, um, you know, how do they f- – sort of stack up athletically mindset and then from a do they do everything the right way mindset do they work hard do they do the extra work and I think not only do those guys drive each other you know they they push each other and I I think um, you know JC Horn you know for my money he's in the conversation at least as one of the most talented high upside guys on the team and I think McQuamu sort of seeing that and knowing they came in on the same class they're the same position knowing JC Horn gets you know, a lot of the love, and rightfully so, I think uh, is right there um, being pushed by that and pushing J.C. Horn. And, I, you know, I think when – if you're a guy coming in, and we've talked all offseason about, you know, how all those guys, Johnny Dixon, Jamie Robinson, Shiloh uh, Sanders, and Cam Smith are going to be counted on and needed to – you know, they're going to be needed on the field this year. If you see, you know, the guy, J.C. Horn, who I think they probably all already look up to, um, and Izzy McQuamu, uh, 
and see how how they work. If you if your most talented guy in a position group is also your hardest worker, those other guys almost have no choice but to fall in line. Right. If you get there and you're a young guy and you see, oh, you know, this guy's good, but he doesn't really put in the work, then I feel like you're a little more likely. If you're not a self-driven kid, which not every kid's like a self-starter. Some of them, some of them are, but not all of them are. So I, I think having that in your room is, is incredibly helpful. And, um, you know, Muschamp, again, and I, I kind of take him at his word on this stuff because he's generally pretty honest as far as how he feels about the roster. You know, he's admitted, you know, there's some areas in the secondary where they are still a bit thin or inexperienced, but he – Every time he says that in the same sentence, he says, but I feel like we're really talented. So um, defensive back, that, you know, that's that's his position. That's what he's made his name, you know, creating. And I uh, you know, I think as long as they avoid injuries, which obviously last year they didn't, um, that group I, I think could be one that gets better and better as the year progresses. All Gamecock Central podcasts are recorded with Anchor, which is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place, and you can use it right from your phone or computer, and it's absolutely free. The Anchor creation tools will allow you to record and edit your podcast right there on the app so that it sounds great. Then they'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, plus many more. You can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership with ads like this one. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So uh, unless y'all have anything else about uh, the Muschamp press conference specifically, I think that's a good opportunity to transition into the conversations that we got to have with the players yesterday. The players were available from four to five. I think we probably talked to a lot of the same people. I'm not sure if y'all talked to to J.C. Horn, but to go back to that to that conversation about defensive backs, I talked to Israel Mukwamu and Jamias Williams yesterday and asked them specifically about the young guys. And the thing that they both said was just how competitive they were, how hard they were working, you know, already coming in. And of course, they're going to say that they're not going to be like. Oh, well, you know, so-and-so is really coming in and slacking. But I think really emphasize just how competitive that is because all four of those guys know that given the depth of the defensive backfield or the lack thereof, they're all going to have the opportunity to come in and play right away. And it sounds like they're all planning on coming in and playing right away or at least doing their best to do so. Yeah, you know, I think Muschamp said it many times. He said, you know, the, these guys were told in the recruiting process, you're going to come in and play. And that was not a recruiting pitch. That was a – it was almost like a, that was a, we have a running back backing up two of our cornerback positions. Yes, and uh, and AJ Turner jogged out there with the first group at nickel today. So that you know that tells you I, I think um, you know that that wasn't even a pitch. That was a hey, don't come here if you're not ready for that. You know, like come and be ready. And um, you know we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I think all those guys are talented, man. I think they all have a chance. Um, you know, and uh, again, having that leadership ahead of them should only uh, be a good thing. Other note that I picked up just talking to a couple defensive backs yesterday when I was asking which of the new guys was the best smack talker, it was sort of a leading question because I figured they were all going to say Johnny Dixon, my new favorite South Carolina Gamecock. Uh, but it, it seemed like Shiloh Sanders. I mean, again, that's not like overly surprising given who his dad is. But my money was on Johnny, though. But again, that was my other uh, biggest takeaway from the defensive backs. Uh, Chris, who'd you talk to yesterday that caught your eye, either physically or just in terms of, you know, what he was talking about? I think, uh, you know, I was curious to talk to Ortrey Smith. You know, to see, uh, just talk to him a little bit about the process of, of recovering from his knee injury. You know, so he was a guy that played in 2017, um, played well. I think he caught what, four touchdowns as a true freshman, so he got plenty of burn. And uh, last season, you know, that he had the sublux kneecap, which is a genetic condition with his knee. Uh, it sounds awful, by the way. Sounds awful. 
lots of pain. His mom had it, so it was a genetic thing, and um, ended up having surgery for that in October, early in October, and was basically laid up for six weeks, you know, no walking, I mean, crutches and things like that, but, um, you know, just talking to him about that process, it was a tough deal for him, um, but, you know, he said his mindset was just to try to dominate his rehab and try to get back out there, so spring ball, obviously he missed, but he was out there jogging around and things like that, and then he was able to return this past summer, or this summer, and um, do, you know, passing skeleton and things like that with his teammates, with the quarterbacks and defensive backs, and Said he was tentative, you know, with the with the knee at first, but that he, he feels good. And so uh, it's good for South Carolina and for Ortre to get him back healthy um, because, you know, behind those top two receivers of, of Shy Smith and Brian Edwards, they need some of the guys to emerge, whether it's Josh Van or some veterans like Dreek Davis, Chavis Dawkins, Chad Terrell. And uh, Ortre certainly will be in that mix, I think. And when we're talking about health, one of the other things Will mentioned in his press conference yesterday was just that this is maybe the first time in his career at Carolina that Drake Davis has been healthy, which is encouraging because the coaching staff has always spoken so highly of him, and, and Carolina fans have only gotten to see him just in little blips here and there. So that's certainly someone that I would expect to, to factor into that rotation for who's going to be sort of your third receiving option. Uh, Wesley, same question. Who caught your attention, either just in terms of how he looked physically or in terms of what y'all talked about? Yeah, you know, I'm going to go straight back to the receivers myself. I just, um, you know, I said this to you when we were standing out there. I got a good feeling about Josh Van. Um, you know, from some comments preseason from from Will Muschamp, and generally he just, like I said, you got to wade through coach speak and nine coach speak. But you know, if, if Muschamp brings up a guy just to brag about him, you know, as opposed to you know, sometimes a coach is going to say some positive things if he's asked specifically about someone. But if he brings up someone just to sort of brag about him, um, the way Muschamp talked about Josh Van at SEC Media Days, uh, Brian Edwards talked about him you know, glowingly there, too. I, I talked to Brian a little bit more yesterday about Josh Van and, you know, talked to Shy Smith about him, too. And, uh, you know, Shy, uh, Shy sort of half-jokingly, you know, said that, that he was going to ask Josh Van for some pointers just because he's seen, you know, progress from the guy. And, and then talking to Josh, I, I think, you know, you see that jump a lot of times from freshman to sophomore year as far as just learning everything that goes into – succeeding at this level uh you know weight room and and, you know nutrition stuff it's a big jump from you know just going waking up going to your high school weightlifting deal and you know you're you're lifting you're maybe goofing off with your friends a little bit nobody's telling you exactly what to eat nobody's you know shoving a protein shake in your face right after um you know nobody's teaching you how how important all that other stuff is so you know i I think josh sort of uh, catching on to all that has been huge for him um, he's gotten faster, he said. He's worked a lot on his route running, he said. You've got an interesting little battle because, you know, Shy Smith and Brian Edwards are starting. There's no doubt about that. But who Chris talked about, or Trey Smith, and then Josh Van, even though I, I think ultimately, you know, if if Josh is starting, he's probably more of a slot guy, even though he has played outside some. If Ortrey's starting, he's probably more of an outside guy. Um, Ortrey looked thinner, by the way, I thought. I yeah. thought he looked slim down, worth mentioning. But, um, you know. what's still impressive. He's still just he's still just a, like a big, like, he's still thick. Yeah, and I'm not, saying that, as, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. No, no, because no. I my, think my first impression of him as a freshman was, I mean, if you told me he was 26, I would believe you. Yes. Um, and he, he's still just, he looks very impressive just standing there in yeah, a jersey. Yeah. yeah so he was 217. 
What, what was Dutton. he listed West at? Skeptical. No, what was he listed <laughs> at freshman year? Um, let me eff- like, let me I, effort that. I feel like he was listed at two seventeen then or around that. But maybe it does he, seem like that. Two twenty five or so. He he looks and I don't that if he's two seventeen then that's probably a good thing because that means that's like repurposed weight that he's you know dipped down and then probably gained mm-hmm. muscle. Um, two twenty. Two twenty. Un- okay. Unofficially. Yes, yeah, so I you know I, I think I think he looked good, but but those guys I think are going to battle it out, even if they're not even specifically at the same position. Um, you know I, I think one of those guys is like your third starter. Yeah, and, and Van and Ortre I think have a lot of interesting comparisons because they're a year apart, but they we we both saw flashes freshman year, and you know for Van this is only his second year, and then for Ortre he missed the second year, so this is yeah. essentially his second year. Um, but when I was talking to Josh yesterday, sort of like you mentioned. He said just the comfort level. I asked what the biggest difference from last year to this year is, and he says the comfort level, and not even just in terms of the football, but just in terms of the entire experience of being a college athlete, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of his, you know, basically ability to organize his life and, and, you know, figure out how to prioritize things and just how to prepare himself, talked about nutrition and things like that. So I think both of those guys, even though they have, I think, very different skill sets, it's going to be a really, really fun battle. And I, and I asked, I, asked uh, I talked to Josh too a little bit and asked him, uh, you know, Taquan Johnson obviously – was a later arrival, so I asked him about Xavier Leggett and Kevion Mullins. Um, you know who who were guys that got South Carolina in the summer, and Josh just had a chance to work out with them and see them in seven on sevens. And he said, you know, athletically those guys were were good, but you know that he said when 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 we start getting into camp, it's going to be tough. You know, he said it's going to be difficult because then you're in the playbook and you're out there with the bullets flying and all those types of things, and, and it's going to be tough. And so I think he was sort of relating that to himself a little bit, you know, that he sort of discovered how how tough it was last year. You know, another thing that not, didn't come up in our conversation, but, you know, Josh, obviously nobody had a very good bowl game for South Carolina. You wouldn't really point to anybody and say, man, they played really well in the bowl game. <laughs> nobody did. Virginia did. Virginia played well. <laughs> South Carolina did not. Um and I don't mean to harp on that game over and over, but Josh had a had some plays that I'm sure he'd like to have back in that game, had some drops and things like that. But he, coming out of high school, this is a guy that had really good ball skills. I mean, people just raved about it. You could see it on film. His coaches talked about it. And for whatever we reason – We watched him in person. We watched him in person too. in camp. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he's got ball skills. He's a guy that can snatch the ball out of the air. He's not a bigger receiver, but he plays bigger than his size. So um, – I I, th- I still think I feel like you know we're we're sort of in the in this mode now in society and with football where we gotta make a snap judgment on a kid you know like as a freshman and everybody's gonna just look at that bowl game but I I still am pretty high on Josh Fan's potential. So football is a developmental game, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. and, and also, I just I tend to think that bowl games are the most meaningless games that a football team plays in a given year. I, I think yeah. it's 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 interesting. And Tommy Moody's talked about this a lot um, on uh, on the halftime show that it's it's so it's so important because it's sort of how fans remember the season as their last taste. Sure. And so if you win the bowl game, obviously people are excited for the next season. If you lose the bowl game, people have a bad taste in their mouth, and that is true. But again, I, I think it's unfair because how bowl games are just are unless it's a good bowl game, unless it's a college football playoff game, unless it's you know. Sugar Bowl, Capital One Bowl. Is it still the Capital One Bowl? Is that still what they call it? They, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I can't remember. I can't keep track of all the sponsorships except the uh, <laughs> Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. That's the only one that I'll never forget. Um, but bowl games are almost completely meaningless. So, yes, people are like, oh, well, you know, you see what happens with no Debo Samuel and Zach Bailey. I just I don't think that's going to be 
an yeah. indication of, of what this team looks like this year. I agree. And, and I think it's totally fine to be TO'd about how the team played in the ball yeah, game. Totally. There's nothing wrong with that. Be they unhappy played with it, but don't very let it poorly. color yeah. your expectations. You can't project, like, when people are projecting it onto everything. Well, you know, let me. I'll say this. The way that South Carolina, losing the belt bowl in that fashion, which was embarrassing and bad, all those different things, has is not going to have any bearing on the long-term trajectory of the program. Like, if, if South Carolina ends up, you know, not doing so well uh, over the next three to five years, won't be because of the bowl game. If they end up doing very well over that same time frame, won't be because of the bowl game. And same thing if they won the bowl game. If they would have beaten Virginia 28 nothing or beaten them by a touchdown, whatever. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. You, you, know, you don't, Virginia. You can't project. You can't say, well, they didn't beat Virginia, so there's no way they can beat this team this mm-hmm. year. Or you can't say, well – we would, you know, South Carolina would be doing so much better in recruiting if they would have beat Virginia in the bowl game. It just, it, it doesn't have that big of an effect. And and I think you're right. It's because it's the last game of the year. That's sort of all you have to carry over the entire season. Anybody else that uh, y'all didn't get a chance to talk about that stood out yesterday during the player media availability? I, I, I don't think so. Um, no funny anecdotes? Did, y'all, did either of you get a chance to ask Donnell about uh, his burgeoning country music career? No, uh, but apparently, well, I will say this. Um, whew, sorry, Brian. Brian Edwards, um, he likes Coldplay a lot. Never, oh, does he really? Yeah, never would have. And I, he likes Coldplay and some Maroon 5, which I, I like some Maroon wait, wait, 5 yeah, too, why are you apologizing on his? He just, wait. I mean, he said, he was like, this is something nobody really knows about him. So, But but you're saying, but you're almost like acting like. Like that's um, a bad thing. Right, yeah, so you no, don't those, like those Coldplay? Those are well-liked bands. No, I mean, I like Coldplay. I just. The way he said it, he was like, nobody really knows this. Like a guilty me. pleasure so, thing. Yeah, Kind of like yeah. how Jimmy Butler, it was a guilty pleasure for a long time. Or I guess it was unknown outside of locker rooms. Jimmy Butler, like, blasts country music before <laughs> all games, and it makes a lot of his teammates mad because apparently a lot of his teammates don't like country music. But So Coldplay yeah. is actually one of my yeah. two least favorite bands ever. Okay, um, so you don't like Coldplay. So I don't like them, but I th- like for me to say that I think is unpopular. Yeah. For Brian to say that, I think it makes sense. Um, that's cool. Also, he said um, Donnell is – by far the best chef on the team. Yeah, I asked Hank Manis the same thing. Yeah, he said that everybody said learns that, their yeah. chef techniques from, from Donnell. Because Donnell will go out and actually fish, you know, and catch it. Cook the fish. Then clean it and then cook it and then serve it. So, fresh. Um, you, you ain't getting, you know, that's pretty good service right there. Yeah, that's really nice. The, uh, the players, I think, have had so much fun with that. When we got our tour of the long facility, you know, talking to the staff there, they talked about how much the players liked it and then asking a couple of them, a couple of them about it yesterday. That, that's so fun, and I would have loved that in college. What's your best dish? Mine? Yeah. I go around the room. Yeah, I don't make I don't make the same things a lot. I like to try new things, but my go-to's um, I've gotten uh, my Merg Mockney's gotten really good. Uh, my butter chicken got a really good butter chicken recipe. I don't know if y'all like Indian food, it, and that's called Merg Mockney. Yeah. Okay. Wes, um, you've heard of that? No. Okay. Just making sure. I'm trying, sure to, is. trying to think. Um, also, so I, I asked Josh Van that too. He said his best dish were burgers that he learned to make. He said he didn't cook at all right. before he got here. But learn to cook, you know, from Kristen Coggins. I guess we should mention her because she's, you know, implemented yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think. I think Brian. Oh, what did he say? I don't remember what he said his best dish was. I know um, he said, but Donnell doesn't just cook fish. Like he no. said uh, spaghetti, um, you know, all types of stuff. Uh, my best best dish is probably just a steak. I like to cook. Um, 
and I cook them all different ways, like reverse sear. Um, I've I've been doing the sous vide. I was gonna say you have a sous vide. Yeah, that's or, awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, that with um, some risotto and some asparagus is like my it's really nice money meal really right good. there. Yeah, Manos does Manos is a big steak guy. He said he likes to butter based his. Yeah, that's that's oh, the yeah. pro move. Get get a little cast that's what iron. I do. Yeah, clove of garlic, a little bit of thyme, and just oh, base the, that. The sucker. key that's the key to the mm-hmm. steak though too is um, if you put some salt on it like prior and just let it sit mm-hmm. room temperature. Yep, and then. Be. It draws out the moisture. Yeah, let the moisture come out, but then let it seep, you know, seep back in there, and then make sure you pat pat it dry because right. you don't want it to be you don't want it to be like essentially boiling the top of the. Yeah, steak. that's, that's how you get the nice very crust dry. on the outside, and you yeah. season it, get the inside all good, and goes yeah. ahead. It you know starts to break down those proteins. It's, yeah, it's, I'm in for that. Good right. stuff. Now we got to stop talking about. Yeah, we got. I'm, I'm, what's well, your you just ate. You, you can't. You're not allowed to be hungry. I haven't eaten today. I'm allowed to be hungry. <sighs> um. Shrimp and grits, Ooh. I can do pretty well. That's I good. would have to say that's a delicacy around these parts. Mm-hmm. I'd have to say I can do that one pretty well, Charleston style. Cool. Yep. So we're gonna have to have a, a potluck dinner, and yeah. Wes will make steak. I'll make butter chicken, and you bring the uh, the shrimp and grits. Sounds good. That'll be fun. The ne- at the next Gamecock Central event, we're gonna cook for all you guys. All right. Um, you went to practice this morning. Yep. How was it? Was it fun to be out there? Yeah. Because I used to get so excited when when practices were open, or the first however many, when Spurrier was here. It was, we I'd go to Bojangles with my brother. It was already, like, you know, celebration time. And we'd just go sit out and watch the first practice. Or, you know, my friend Joe or something. It was great. And obviously I don't get to do that anymore. I guess I could still go, because I'm media. I could go to the first 15 minutes, but it's not the same. Well, we didn't see a single play ran. You just saw you know? people running around? Yeah, I mean, we saw a little bit of a depth chart, sort of. Um you know, quarterbacks throwing into a net, guys, you know, getting loose, some kicking, um, offensive line doing drill work, defensive line doing drill work on the side. Um, no, literally no actual offensive plays. Yeah, so, you but know, don't, it's, it's don't downplay the importance of a quarterback throwing into a net. Chris, how many times do people watch your video of Ryan Holinsky throwing into a net at spring practice? I mean, it, probably probably the most viewed thing I've ever produced on Gamecock Central uh, that or the update on the turf that year before the before <laughs> the, concert. the concert you remember that yeah 20 oh, million man. views probably on Just turf a rough estimate I'd spend hours like slaving over something or working on some story nope nah how's nope. the turf how's the turf doing um all right well did y'all did y'all take away anything meaningful from this morning it's hard. I don't. I don't want to say no, but God. But no. <laughs> no, it's. Well, you, you said you saw AJ Turner run out there with the with the first, first team. team nickel. I mean, yeah. that's interesting. That's very um, interesting. But because I asked Coach Chan yesterday means... just about how he was splitting time, and you know he, he gave me like a real kind of non-answer. It was sort of wherever the team needs him most. But it's I mean, if he's running out there as the first team nickel back on August first, there's that's probably not going to change much before the first game. I mean, we'll see. Because I, I mean. R.J. Roderick was out there with the second group, so that's not, you know, R.J. Roderick's starting somewhere, let's be honest. So, uh, you know, I don't know how much the day one depth chart means, but certainly I, I think as far as their vision for him, and, you know, you you started looking at the second and third group, it, it's all freshmen, so as far as defensive backs go. So the need for an older guy like A.J. over there is, I think, pretty strong. Chris, anything? Sure, anything this morning. 
No, I mean, just give me a morsel, man. No, the, the biggest, the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, that's what stood out. Really looking at the secondary because I, I didn't see any surprises. Um, and again, this is day one depth chart and depth chart used loosely as a term because it was just really them practicing some alignments and some shifts and things like that is where we saw it. So there weren't any real surprises with that. Um, but, you know, just seeing sort of where they had guys slot in the secondary with Nick with uh, Turner at the nickel spot because he played some corner, you know, in the spring, obviously, when they when they did that. And uh, seeing Shiloh and, and Jamie out there, just sort of seeing where they slotted those guys. But the really look? no surprise. Did they look? Did they look ready? Like physically? Did they look like they need to add fifteen pounds? No, I don't think so. No, I mean, th- those are, you know, out of those guys. I mean, Jamie's always been pretty put together. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, they're sh- all listed at like six foot one ninety, but you know, it's it's yeah. al- it's always difference between you know what's listed and what they actually look like on the field. Yeah, I mean, the Johnny Johnny Dixon would be the quote unquote smallest one of them, but you know, it's not like he, you look at him and you go, oh, he's too small. You know, he's he's a cover corner. Um, but I I thought those guys, you know, look look the part and just watching them move around. But there, there's not much you can tell from that. But we've we've seen those guys in camp and things like that before during the recruiting process. And I thought Derek Boykins looked impressive physically. I thought Jakai um, Moore looked the part. Jakai Moore, Jalen Nichols. I mean, yeah, you almost forget how young he is. It's because he's he's been here, you know, since spring. He's been here a while. But both those guys look really good too. I agree. All right. Well, I guess that'll about do it unless there was anything else for media day yesterday or practice this morning that you guys want to get to um but we'll be back next week we'll have a few more practices well they will have a few more practices under their belt hopefully we'll have a few more nuggets um to i mean really really help uh get us to football season because this is simultaneously like the most fun part of year because it's exciting because football season's starting but it's also just grueling because every day is slower and you just want more football and you want it to like really be football season but it's not quite but Uh, Regardless, we'll be back next week with whatever news, notes, and nuggets we pick up over the course of the next week or so. And uh, if you guys want to support the podcast, best way to do that is to rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends, anybody else that you know that likes Gamecock football. They will probably be interested in this. Uh, Also, because it's the first month of practice, great time to be an insider. Use the exclusive uh, code GCPOD if you're not already subscribed to Gamecock Central to get one month of that for free. Actually, we've got another deal going on now for anybody, too. Seventy-five dollars for a year, um, so that's twenty-five percent off, essentially. Plus, if you sign up right now, the code is on our front page. You will also get a seventy-five dollar e gift card to the Adidas store. Ooh. So basically, you spend the seventy-five dollars, which is already discounted, and you get seventy-five dollars back just in Adidas gear. Um, but you can buy anything with that gift card on the Adidas store. All right, that's an amazing deal, one. Two, Yes. I mean, you should subscribe to Gamecock Central because if you don't, you're a pleb, <laughs> and don't be a pleb. And three, Adidas gear is awesome. I just recently, uh, per my brother's recommendation, I know we've probably got some soccer players listening to this. Chris, um, I know you're a soccer player. And even if you're not a soccer player, I imagine this goes for, for all their socks, but their soccer socks are unbelievable. Chris, have you ever worn Adidas soccer socks? I have not. Oh, my gosh. I'll have to check those out. I just bought some the other day. And it was like, I was like, okay, it's a soccer sock. Like, what's the difference going to be? And I put it on my foot, and it was, it was like life changing. It was incredible. So, anyways, nice. 
Go get some Adidas socks with the $75 you get for signing up for a year of Gamecock Central for just $75. That's awesome. Also want to encourage you to check out part two of Under Carolina Sky's first episode, Black Magic, an oral history on the 1984 football team. Part two is up today. Um, if you haven't listened to part one, that's obviously still up, and you should listen to that first because part two picks up exactly where part one left off. And uh, I guess that'll do it for Wes, for Chris. I'm Pearson Fowler, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.